Welcome to episode 84 of the Rift Strip Podcast, the Formula One is Up, NASCAR is Down edition, as titled by Josh, so thank you on that. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing good, Phil. You know, it's been a uh, wonderful weekend of racing. We had a lot of attention on Formula One, and it seems like Formula One here in America is finally on the rise, you know, after many, many years. And then, of course, NASCAR continuing to go on the downturn for, you know, many reasons. And uh, I think you saw the contrast between uh, Formula One at Austin on Sunday versus uh, NASCAR uh, their weekend at Kansas on Sunday. So we got to talk about all that stuff, all that happened. Uh, Max Verstappen uh, wins the first time at U.S. Grand Prix. And then on the other side, Kyle Larson gets his uh, ninth win of the season. And some of the playoff drivers in the NASCAR had some issues as well. So that's going to be interesting to talk about. And of course, football, uh, Niners had a loss at home, of course, and then Jags had a bye week uh, and everything. And fantasy, well, we'll talk about our trade later on. So ready to get into it. Yeah. So if you want to listen into the fantasy and uh, regular football, I mean, for me, I don't know how much I'm really going to want to talk about that, uh, considering the Niners are fucked. Uh, but uh, Josh has a faint glimmer of hope because he actually has his quarterback. Uh, he doesn't have a coach. And I question if, if the Niners have a coach or a GM. Um, he doesn't have a GM because Trent Balky sucks. But, you know, that's beside the point. He does have a quarterback uh, and a running back. Uh We'll get into all the racing, of course, Formula NASCAR, as Josh mentioned, uh, cut off at Martinsville. And you got some news in regards to Kevin Harvick getting a sponsor. Uh, we have uh, basically was a June bug and smoke ran the Gen 7 at Bowman Gray as a test for the L.A. Coliseum clash. Uh, we will cover uh, the Extreme Island Grand Prix. We'll cover MotoGP, which saw Fabio Quattararo become a world champion in MotoGP after an interesting year, which he took a lot of uh, punches from Ducati riders, but the Ducati riders themselves eliminated. They basically self-eliminated themselves, all of them, really, and crashing. Pekka Bagnaia had wrecks. I mean, Jack Miller, uh, more famously, with more accidents. Uh, Johan Zarco. All of them were up there. All of them would wreck in bad times, and Quattuaro would be able to finish. Hence, uh, he is a world champion on a Yamaha that most people feel is not a great bike. Get in a Moto2 with the Americans. Uh, we get into W Series. There's a couple of uh, injuries suffered there. So we'll get into that. And then we'll get into this weekend's events. Uh, we have World Endurance Championship at Bahrain. We have Australian V8 Supercars at uh, Sydney Motorsports Park, along with, of course, NASCAR at uh, Martinsville. And uh, so that'll be a first of two races at Bahrain for the World Endurance Championship. So that'll be interesting. And then, um, yeah, we'll get into Supercars getting their return during the um, part of summer in australia and so we'll get into all of that as uh, we go along here on the gsp along with our picks we'll see if josh's algorithm will come back out here uh for this week and next week with uh racing season kind of coming down to the end outside of really formula one and major motorsports uh but first we will start with the u.s grand prix max Verstappen went out there and um, got the pole at Austin at Coda 
after uh, Sergio Perez initially had one pole or provisional pole on the first run. And then he went out there, Max went out there and put down a bigger lap, took the pole. Lewis Hamilton started second. Lewis Hamilton got the better start in the U.S. Grand Prix, uh, which is rare uh, in terms of recent recent times for Lewis getting good starts. And Max Verstappen held ground within one second within that DRS range to lap 11 when he pitted and uh, to try the uh, to do the undercut. And in turn, Lewis ran a couple more laps, but then Sergio Perez pitted. And at that point, Lewis had to go and pit to go and cover off one Red Bull. In the end, he gave up the gap to Max Verstappen or gave up the lead to Max. Max went and set off. Lewis was able to catch up to him, but then Max Verstappen pitted again uh, at lap, I think, 31, I believe, um, or somewhere around there. And what is it? I think, yeah, it was like 30, 30 or 31. Lewis went and pitted seven laps later under the pretense of having fresher tires to try to attack at the end. Had less than 20 laps to go there. Uh, it He got there, uh, got to within that second, but then the bubble of air similar to NASCAR, but then in Formula One, that wash, um, not not just the heat off the other car going and affecting the front downforce, but the front and the front tires. Lewis was not able to come through. And in the end, Max Verstappen gets uh I think his ninth win of the year. I'm maybe mixing it up with Kyle Larson at this point. Uh, I think bastards. he has seven. Seven, nine, whatever they win enough fucking bastards. Um Seven wins this year for thank you for that. Oh, um, I'm sick and tired of watching both of those assholes win, but you know, uh, that's beside the point. Max Verstappen's been the best driver this year, so I mean, you can't really deny that. And in a track where Mercedes has dominated, no, eight that's what it says, eight wins for Max, uh, five for Lewis this year, so eight wins, 13 podiums, nine poles. So, okay, I got the nine part right at least once. Um, Average finish is a, basically a position behind Lewis, but then he's only been, he's ran at the finish of 14 races or whatever versus 16 for Lewis. So that's the difference, I think, there. Um, the win, getting a win at Circuit of the Americas, which is probably not the um, ideal track for the Red Bull car, taking the points lead to make it 12 is probably the turning point if there wasn't other turning points in the season if you didn't think like what happened at silverstone and or monza were turning points i think this one was the one uh red bull going to a mercedes track historically and winning you know not only qualifying but being able to dictate the race and basically hold over on mercedes and beat lewis hamilton at one of his houses. I think uh, says a lot, Josh, about Max Verstappen's uh, ability and his uh, prospects here in basically, I think, six weeks' time. Uh, we probably going to be doing this show in December just before we take our winter break, um, talking about Max Verstappen as a world champion, and we can rewind back to this this week, past weekend at Coda as a major reason why. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you there, especially with the way that this uh, Grand Prix played out because, you know, with Lewis on that uh, shorter tire strategy, 
um, going hard at the very end, only 20 laps to catch Max for a stop. And I thought when it came down to the last couple of laps, it definitely looked like that uh, Lewis Hamilton was going to catch him there, especially with how Max Verstappen was running into traffic. He was running into some of the back markers with, uh, especially with uh, the Great last point. lap. Yeah, Mick Schumacher there uh, had some trouble getting around him coming to the last lap. And Lewis was able to get close there, but ultimately, um, basically just within under a second, but he couldn't make up any of the difference there. And you have to wonder there, like, was Max Verstappen able to uh, save his tires? You know, you talk about in, you know, in America here in NASCAR, a lot of times the long runs, you got to uh, really manage the tires there and think maybe Lewis or Max was able to uh, kind of do that same thing here, especially with the rough track, like uh, Coda, where track is really rough and hard on the tires, but uh, he was able, uh, even though he had eight laps, old retires, he's able to uh, make up that difference by driving conservatively throughout that run and then only needing to pull away when he really needs to, especially at the end. And of course, Lewis, um, knowing that he has to be able to go out and win this race to stay afloat in the championship and uh, keep his hopes alive, it definitely probably was pushing that car for the majority of that run. And then at the end, even though he got up to them, he just didn't have enough uh, left in his car to be able to go and overtake Max uh, for that win. So uh, a lot of that, uh, I think, played into the strategy. I think, you know, the beginning of the race, especially with uh, Red Bull undercutting uh, Mercedes there, both of them, they just went undercut Lewis and then Lewis, you know, forced his hand to have to pit there. So uh, I, that set the tone for the race for Red Bull. And it was just kind of a matter of time, kind of like just a, a strategy, uh, you know, battle strategy between the two teams who would come out at the end. I mean, there wasn't really a on-track battle per se. I mean, at the very beginning, of course, uh, at the start, you know, there was that battle, but then, um, it was for the most part, just a battle between who could, uh, manage the race up on, you know, in the, in the garage with, uh, the, the principals, the team managers, and then of course, uh, the driving on the track, um, just be, being able to manage the tires and, uh, know when to go hard or, or, uh, go fast. So that, that was kind of the story of the race there. Um, but of course now max on top once again, and he's got a 12 point lead in only a handful of races left. Now we only have like four races left here in the championship, uh, in, in this season. So it's going to be hard for, uh, Lewis to make up that difference, uh, uh, especially this late in the season. I mean, it's, it's happened before, of course, on the other end, go back to the very beginning of the year, uh, the Spanish grand prix, remember Lewis had won that race and he had won three of the first four races and had a 14 point lead, uh, going in, uh, to Monte Carlo or yeah, at, uh, Monaco. And then, uh, that was kind of when Max started to have his run up there. So it's still possible, but it might be too, uh, too little, too late for, uh, Max for, or for Lewis Hamilton. So, uh, for the championship, uh, should be interesting to see the last couple of races, how it plays out. But I think for Red Bull, they've got a couple of good strong tracks coming up, especially for Max. So it's going to be a tough deal for Lewis Hamilton, but I think, you know, also with, uh, Max's ability, of course, he's been able to show that as of late, but I think you also have to, um, credit him for his mental toughness, uh, especially throughout this stretch, because Lewis is a, you know, Going up against him is a, a tough ordeal, no matter who you are. I mean, we've seen uh, Alonzo uh, struggle through it, you know, back in 07. Uh, Nico Rosberg, I mean, the one year actually battled him, went retired. I mean, Sebastian Vettel, you know, back 2017, that's the one season I think of when he had that, you know, really close battle with uh, with Lewis throughout the season. So Max has been pretty uh, calm and collected. I mean, for the most part, I mean, he's had his mistakes, but for the most part, he's just been uh, – 
able to take it to uh, the fight with with Lewis there. So got to give him credit for his mental toughness. Use getting used to the new setup over here I mean, with the new window system here. My fault on that. But uh, I mean, I'll maturity is a word I'm not so sure I'd use with Max in certain areas. I do think he's a D bag and a douche. Um, his team basically allows him to be that way in terms of his driving standard. It's not. It's really, really good in many areas, but there is still work. But in the end, he's going to probably be a world champion in five races time uh, because they've had the better car. He's performed better when he's been on track and the team's been better. So fundamentally, that's supposed to be the key that all those things play a role at the end of the day. End of the day, you go and look back over the history of Formula One. You win the world championship. Generally, it's because all those pieces are in place or fall into place. There's not there are very few examples of, oh, okay, just strictly the driver overcame the car and all of the other things to go and carry their team to a, a championship. That's possible in other a series, or it has been in other areas and other series, but I don't really think of that as much on the Formula One side. Um, usually all those things are connected, and that usually means domination. And Max has been the most dominant figure. And with Mexico looming here in a week's time, and then Brazil, which has been a great track for Red Bull and for Max, I have a hard time. I mean, I kind of started selling out, selling out to where I thought Lewis wasn't going to win this championship back in the summer as a Lewis mark. Lewis, you know, between the British Grand Prix stuff and then, you know, Monza, some of these things, the, the summer and then the break and all that kind of gave me hope certain things happened to where it was still within reach but then you know it started again and now we're going into a, a group of races where you have two racetracks i mean we talked about on grid talk last week in the recap which are red bull tracks then you have two new tracks no data it's just strictly sim at the Saudi uh, Grand Prix, which will be the biggest hypocrisy there's ever been in regards to wheat races one. And then uh, Qatar, uh, which prob probably is, a, I would venture to say just straight away, is a, a Red Bull track, even with the long front straightaway, which will suit the Mercedes. Um, if you're giving up if you're behind a second anyways, you're not going to be able to use that DRS and make up that much time because you can't put all the battery. You're going to be you're going to use all the battery and all the other stuff for like maybe a lap. So you need to be you need a Hail Mary kind of deal. And then Abu Dhabi, which is a shithole, no matter what they've done to it. So we'll see with that, um, obviously, with Max and what he's able to do. But um, in regards to the results of the U.S. Grand Prix, Max Verstappen wins by 1.333 seconds over Lewis Hamilton, um, gained six points in the process to get to a 12-point lead after coming in with six-point lead. Uh, Sergio Perez finished third. Charles Leclerc, uh, Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, Charles, I don't know, Charles Eclair um, finished fourth. Daniel Ricardo, who had one of the best weekends of his life, I think, in general, um, minus being a Formula One driver, of course, and being Daniel Ricardo, uh, finished fifth. 
after driving the Blue Goose. Valtteri Botas had a engine penalty. Um, learned that the penalty for taking any engine after your your fourth engine, which is a 10 grid spot penalty, you get a five grid spot penalty after that for engines five and above, which to me is quite random since you're making a 10 grid spot penalty. If you take, you go past that magic number three, that's 10. After that, it's five. Well, I don't know. Like, don't make know it. There. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what What the fuck? Like, what? what is it? Either it's 10 every time. You're like not showing up. You're not racing. Like, what the hell? How do you make a 10 for the first deal and then five for the next one? So then that means Max Verstappen. Oh, he. Oh, man, my Honda isn't as powerful. Oh, you have ma- the, the butt button monkeys at Red Bull are going to go and say, oh, the Honda isn't as powerful as the Mercedes. We're going to take a five grid spot penalty. That's what it is. That's literally what you're setting everything up for now. You've you basically set it up for at Qatar or whatever the 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 human rights, uh, uh, the human rights Grand Prix at at Saudi uh, for him to go and take a five grid spot penalty to put in a new power unit. That's literally what you're doing right now. Um, and I, I would like to be the, inst- I don't have an algorithm like Josh. I'm not smart like that. I'm not able to go and mess with numbers like whatever that I forget who what show it was where they're able to uh, there's been shows and movies. I'm not like Rain Man though. People do give me that nickname because I can pull out sports and motorsports stats like a MFR, but I feel like that's coming because of the Valtteri Bottas thing uh that happened here. And of course Valtteri Bottas in his um greatness uh after winning last race at turkey domination uh from pole after of course lewis won pole and then got a 10 grid spot penalty he did much of nothing and was uh basically a couple two three laps away from getting lapped but finished sixth carlos signs lando norris last cars on the lead lap uh sonoda vettel scored points and you had uh the cars that fell out were the two Alpines who had rear wing issues and rear section issues in general. Pierre Gasly had a suspension failure, uh, made contact early in the race. Uh, Stroll and Latifi ran into each other in a battle of sons who have rich Canadians who have rich fathers at the start of the race. And Kimi Raikkonen spun out by himself while kind of flirting with the points which in turn allowed Sonoda and Vettel to get in so unfortunate for Kimi Raikkonen you know knowing that his career is done in five races time there so I mean uh we go through the midfield battle I mean Ferrari definitely had uh the upper hand this weekend over McLaren in general but you know Daniel Ricciardo held up his end of the bargain. I kind of can make the argument that there's been a shift uh, ever since the summer break. I think even with, you know, with Lando going in what probably should have been a pole and what would have been a win at the Belgian Grand Prix, going from that, and it's almost like the, the tides turn. Even though Lando has been the better driver across the general part of the whole year, or across the year. Daniel Ricciardo, since the break, past the coming back from the break, has been better. And it's not even all to do with him. Uh, Yeah, he won the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, But there's also the notion that 
I think Lando, that crash at Spa kind of took the wind out of his sails. He hasn't been the same guy. He was third in the world championship for a long part of the season. Of course, Valtteri Botas starts running up front. He goes and gets that win, and that gives him the upper hand. But to be fair, Lando's been a better driver than him. Uh, you can make the argument Charles Leclerc, too, has been the better uh, been a better driver this year. Or Sergio Perez. I You can even make Charles Leclerc, too. Um, but Valtteri Bottas, of course, is more likely to get on the podium and, you know, he has more opportunities based on the car. Um, you know, in, in regards to this race, it wasn't the, the Alpines, of course, had problems too. um, Ferrari power United is like we were talking about. I think they might be taking a step forward here with some longer tracks coming after. I mean, Mexico with the low, um, uh, there the um, the sea level and all that. I'll, we'll see what how that's affected. But then you talk about Brazil's a tighter track. Then the next two tracks will be longer tracks, which might suit the Ferrari better. It might so the the ebbs and flows. It might be McLaren the next couple of races. Ferrari comes back, and then it'll just be a heads up battle at Abu Dhabi. Who's going to get there in the constructors' championship? But what did you take away from that midfield battle in general, Josh, and all those teams um, as we move towards Mexico, which we'll get into in the episode eighty-five of the GSP? Yeah, I mean, first of all, with uh that point about McLaren, the kind of the shift in who's the better driver team at McLaren right now. And I kind of have to agree. Daniel Ricardo has performed a lot better since that summer break and has performed better than his teammate there. Uh, I think, you know, part of it's just the confidence in his car uh, compared to what he had in the beginning of the year. Remember he had the issues with uh, not having uh, the handle on the car, right. And they felt like he needed to change his driving style to adapt to the uh, how to drive the McLaren car. So I think all that time, you know, just trying to learn it, how to adapt to that car and then, you know, being able to recharge after the summer break and come back. I think you starting to see the Daniel Ricardo that we thought we would get from uh, McLaren, uh, for the whole season, but we've only seen since the summer break. So it's going to be interesting, at least, you know, going into next year, um, whether that remains the same, if he's going to uh, continue to kind of be on the run that he's been, it's almost kind of similar to his season last year, I guess, because uh, he wasn't really that great for the most part in 2020, but then he had a good stretch where he was getting a couple of podiums and, and whatnot. So kind of similar to that. So we'll see uh, last five races here, if he can, uh, continue that uh, run that he's been on. And of course um, that should help McLaren, but also, I mean, he can't, he can't be the one carrying the water. I mean, uh, Lando Norris has to as well uh, because they, I mean, they still have uh, four and a half points over uh, Ferrari in the uh, constructors title, but of course it's very close. And with uh, the way that their season has gone, I mean, it's been ebb and flow back and forth between the two teams, like you said, so it could change uh, next race and then come back to the next race. So it's uh, probably going to come down to the last uh, race of the season for uh, those two teams to see who gets uh, that spot in the constructors title. But I think, you know, at the beginning of the race, uh, Charles Leclerc was able to pass uh, both uh, Lando Norris and uh, Daniel Ricardo, And that was a pretty good, exciting battle right there. First couple of laps, uh, those two or three cars uh, battling each other uh, in position. Um, throughout their race. And then uh, Leclerc was able to get the best out of that group. You know, he had that fourth place finish uh, to finish the race. And then Ricardo was right behind him in sixth. Uh, Lando finished in uh, what is, it, I believe in eighth place. Right. And uh, Perez was in 
also in the points in seventh. So yeah, it was pretty tight battle between uh, those two teams uh, throughout that race. So it's going to be interesting just to see next race, uh, Mexico, uh, what's that going to be looking like uh, between them? And it's going to be a, at least uh, as far as the points battle. I mean, we know um, if you're not going to follow the uh, championship battle, this is the next probably interesting battle here on the uh, the driver's standings uh, order, seeing how that plays out. So going to be very curious to see how um, McLaren versus Ferrari plays out for the rest of the year. And that's that's the whole point. I mean, you got Daniel Ricardo's picked it up sim time i was i was gonna add that i mean of course josh you understand it you're really good at it for for ricardo he had to spend a lot of time in the sim i'm not sure how much of a sim guy he is i get the vibe based off of a lot of things and his character the way he is that he's more old school and in today's day and age of not having as much testing probably not in his favor um might be a part of what's going on with lewis too um not being i mean of course sim's been a part of it and i'm i'm sure he's good at the sim but then i also look at some of the guys you look at max you look at lando leclerc you know even george i mean yuki sonoda yeah a separate thing because obviously lacks experience real time so the fact that he's able to generally perform i say generally because he's had his ups and downs for sure this year um very raw uh rookie but the potential is there for him uh, long term is it it's the case of will red bull give him the chance to to follow through uh, their history has shown otherwise um so we will see um what comes of that um just going through the yeah we got the driver standings here we'll go into that i mean valtteri botas 35 points ahead of sergio perez and 36 ahead of lando so as of now um, outside of some craziness happening um valtteri is going to get third in the, the drivers 12 points as you mentioned between verstappen and hamilton perez and norris that'll go down to the wire Unless Perez, of course, goes out and win the Mexican Grand Prix next week, which kind of thing is possible. Um, Leclerc is, uh, what is it, uh, five and a half points ahead of Carlos. So that's uh, interesting there, inner team battle. And then Ricardo is eighth, Gasly ninth, Alonso 12 points ahead of his teammate Esteban Ocon in um, 10th there. And then you have uh, George Russell's only four points behind Yuki Sonoda, but I have a hard time believing that George is going to score any more points the rest of the year. Um, is Kubit? Oh, yeah, because Robert Kubit's a actually finished higher in the one race that he ran at the um at the dutch grand prix than egghead that's why yeah that's why egghead is 21st in a 20 driver championship which is hilarious um and yeah and egghead finished a minute and a half behind uh mick schumacher again uh, in this race uh, even though mick schumacher did play a, a part in the last couple of laps allowing Max to have the DRS on the front straight coming to the final lap uh, of the race, which was not, I don't believe that was the end. The end was when Lewis blew the hairpin at the back end of the circuit, didn't get a good run, you know, and that was it. You know, at least give yourself a chance there in that spot, but he didn't there in constructors standings. It's 23 points between Mercedes and Red Bull. 
Then it's uh, four and a half for McLaren and Ferrari for third. Alpine has a 10 point lead on AlphaTauri uh, for fifth. And of course, Alpine had a double retirement. So that's not a good thing. And AlphaTauri had double point score. It would take a similar instance to really make that a battle to be fair as much as pierre gasly has run well a lot this a lot of the year uh the rest of the everything from seventh on back is set uh as of now there's really no chance of any of that changing uh so we'll get in all that we'll do more of a deep dive uh in the mexican grand prix next week but would be remiss if we don't kind of give uh, some credence to the fact that Daniel Ricardo got to pay off the bet that Zach Brown had with him uh, signing uh, with uh, McLaren, going and driving the Blue Goose at Coda, doing some donuts at the turn one hairpin. And then in turn, the way that, of course, Daniel Ricardo and a lot of the drivers and the TV at Sky Sports how they talked about what this race was like and the fans and 150,000 people, I think, on race day or 100,000 people on race day, probably 200,000 over the weekend. One of the biggest turnouts at Coda ever, I think, if if not the best ever, one of the best ever, one of the best turnouts for a United States Grand Prix period across their entire history of the U.S. Grand Prix, of the 80,000 places they've had it in both car and Formula One and motorcycles. Um, they basically were head, to, they were head to head with the cup race. I mean, obviously me, I watched the whole Formula One race. I kind of flipped back and forth a couple times to the NASCAR race, but really I was on the Formula One race more or less the whole time. I can't say I watched all race, so I just went and said I will. I basically watched 90 seven and a half percent of the formula one race and i think i watched three percent of the nascar race so two and a half percent of the nascar race so there you go i got my 100 percent. so then when we do the nascar part people want to be offended well yeah i only watched two and a half percent because i already knew what was going to happen before the weekend started and we called it here on the show and it did happen um but yeah the, the i mean people are saying has has formula one finally broken through to me the fact is formula one there's compelling storylines you have two you have a head-to-head battle for a world championship for the first time in a long time you have compelling and competitive racing versus you know made up uh modify i mean i i, I don't know what the right word is you know like four tribe yeah that's a great that's great way to put it josh and uh thank you for that i mean it's con- yeah the 550 rules package is is a contrived, um, basically wrestling uh, version of of motorsport. You're you're putting everybody to you want super. It's super speedway racing on a one and a half mile racetrack. It doesn't work because they don't stay together. Um, you'd have to make them damn car slower. <laughs> you have to basically even the trucks, which have the same basic pre- pre- premise. Because instead of a big ass spoiler, they have a cab. They separate two. 
So the notion is if it didn't work for trucks outside of like Las Vegas, which is like a cereal bowl, one and a half mile racetrack, they're trying to do the same thing with Atlanta. It's not going to work. Um, the weekend at, at Kansas was not great. Um, they didn't have, but we'll get into that. But the, com- the, the, the contrast in racing and quality uh, at Coda versus what Kansas was. Do I think it was a breakthrough? Yeah, sure. It was a great breakthrough because they're going to have two U.S. Races, of course, they've sold out of tickets at Miami conveniently, so lay people won't be able to go to the race. Um, you know, I mean, the Miami race, I think it's gonna be a joke anyway. I'd rather go to Coda, um, because Coda actually they do a good job there. Um, they get cool people to show up, they get great music and entertainment. I mean, Billy Joel's a legend got them to show up and do a concert on Saturday night. And they had, I think, 10,000 people for that deal down the back straight away. So they do things right at Coda. That's why there's people that hate Coda. I've always been a fan. I need to get there at some point. I love that place. I don't care that it's rough. I don't care that Europeans are butthurt about it. If they think that's rough, go and run the Detroit street circuit go and run st petersburg go and race any of the racetracks bring back baltimore <laughs> yeah oh yeah bring back baltimore or san jose and go over a train track you pussies go and deal with that that's that's what makes indie like people want to shit on indie cars too here's here's the thing i mean there's all these indie car podcasts the ones that got like way more followers here's the thing indie cars run without power steer the indie car drivers run without power steering and they drive on the roughest effing circuits on earth you hear them complain no ah they love it <laughs> i mean they love it because they get paid the reality though is i'm sure it sucks but you don't sit there and hear them bitching about it left and right and you have super bikes you have the whatever um moto america they don't run on the greatest circuits on earth but you don't hear jake Gagne going and complaining when he's winning 12 races in a row what right you didn't hear cameron bobier when he won five championships in a row complain no it's just unbelievable that's the thing that's one of the reasons why it's not accepted because people don't want to hear whining and bitching and moaning and that's that's something they have to watch um but that's kind of like why nascar is kind of going down too because a lot of the people they have there are pussies too so um went over a lot of things there josh but i guess ricardo you being an earnhardt guy driving the goose and his fandom and what he is i mean i think he's one person that really truly resonates with uh the american fan um not just earnhardt fans but just american fans just because of his personality and who he is and what he's about and then you know even to a lesser extent you know with lewis he has a wide breath because of who he is max and the whole bit um and then you have that contrast of what we have in nascar which we're going to get into in a moment um and what what nascar's product is relative to what formula one's product is at this point oh yeah i mean i think you know starting off with you know ricardo driving uh dale earnhardt's car around coda i mean that's incredible he, you know he's able to do that and um you know i listen to Dale Jr. talk about it on his show and how he felt about it. And I think, you know, even just Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s fans, Dale Earnhardt's fans, just being able to see the number three car, uh, being driven by a guy like that. It's, you know, pretty awesome to see. And, um, you can tell Dale had a huge, huge smile on his face just driving the car. I mean, he's a huge fan of Dale Earnhardt. So, uh, it's, you know, a dream come true to drive his hero's car. And, uh, it shows the, just the way that the, not only Daniel Ricardo was able to, uh, experience it, but the, the shared experience among the people who were there, uh, 
the people covering the race that were there, uh, Formula One as a series, you know, their social media, they were very embracing of uh, the, doing that. And you saw them give a lot of respect to, uh, you know, NASCAR and Earnhardt, even though, you know, we just, we criticize NASCAR right now, but, you know, to the sport, to the history of the sport, being able to um, expose Formula One fans to kind of the motorsports culture here uh, in America through that, um, just uh, all that, that's what I uh, enjoyed about it. Just seeing just the pure uh, excitement, you know, to enjoyment of, of all of that. So that was um, really, really uh, exciting to see, but, you know, also, you know, Daniel Ricardo, I think as a, if, if there, there's going to be a driver that American fans can latch onto, I think it's him and just his personality. I mean, he's a, a guy that could easily fit, fit in here in America. His um, American accent is basically sounds like Brad Doherty, uh, with the intonation, the speech patterns of Barack Obama. Uh, so he could fit in here very easily. And, you know, he's a, a football guy. You know, you can tell, I mean, he, he, he could easily show up the Buffalo Bills game and go slam the table or whatever they do, break the table in half. And they get uh, power bombed yeah. through tables. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, he, he could easily do that and just, you know, show up and party at a tailgate. I mean, um, definitely fits in right into the kind of uh, American sports uh, sports uh, fandom culture that we have here in America. And it's just a total natural fit. And, and he's embraced it and he calls Austin his second home. So that's a, you know, guy that we can all latch onto. I think, to be honest, I think he's probably the guy I like the most uh, for the one. So, you know, that's uh, who, who I guess I would like to root for when he has a time to be competitive and everything. And that that's, um, just uh, incredible to see what you know he's been able to do with uh, that that three car. But then you talk about the compare and contrast with NASCAR. I think you know Formula One has a lot going for it right now. It's uh, the points battle with for stopping with Hamilton. It's very close right now. The racing. I mean, it's not like you know constant side by side battles, but you see it naturally progress throughout the course of a, a a stint. You know, see the strategy play out and what drivers need to do to overtake. You see all that naturally play out. It's not scripted or contrived, like I said earlier with NASCAR. I mean, even though there's a lot of side by side NASCAR, and we still you know we still like that part of it. The part that's everything else around it. You know, the uh, 550 engine package, the the spoilers, um, the the grip strip, which, you know, of course that's our name right there. The, the chase, uh, the stages, everything around that, that's what makes it, uh, not palatable right now. That's the problem. Cause you know, if you took all of that away, I mean, you know, except for, I mean, we, I could take or leave it, I guess with 550 there, cause as part of the formula right now. So I guess we, I can concede to that for the moment, but, um, you know, everything else around it, how they, they try to make it into um, something great without, letting it uh thrive naturally um that's the problem that's why there aren't really a lot of people in the stands uh at kansas that's why i mean even though tv ratings wise they beat out formula one by quite a bit actually even though there was that i mean just the the atmosphere at the racetrack um you see formula one looks like a, a festival there i mean even same contrast with indycar like I went to St. Pete earlier this year. It felt like a festival. Um, I mean, I went to NASCAR earlier this year. I mean, it was, it was there, it existed, but um, didn't really feel, have the same atmosphere really uh, as that. So um, just the event atmosphere 
being people being able to go there and, and see something new like formula. I mean, it's not new, it's been there, but I think, you know, just the fact that it's returned after absence on the schedule, I think that played a factor into it, into that atmosphere. I think also the Netflix series and the exposure that that's given to um, the American audience. I think a lot, a lot of people, it generates interest in Formula One and going out into Texas, being able to watch that live for the first time gives them to be able to experience what they've been watching on Netflix. You know, other people uh, exposing because of the, the series, the Netflix series, they've um, other shows, other uh, media outlets that people have, or that have huge followings. They're talking about the series and by extension, they're talking about formula one. So I think that's um, something as well, just continued exposure. And it just continues to generate a lot of interest into uh, formula one. So, you know, NASCAR with all they you know they keep trying to uh, force all these game seven moments like they uh, always say it just makes it stagnant and everything and, and people say oh like they should change the schedule and change the tracks that they go to i don't necessarily agree with that i think it's just everything else around it because you know it's not like 20 years ago like you know nascar had the same feeling that f1 does now but the difference was is back then it was organic and it was authentic and now it's not really authentic anymore and that's the problem so you can change all you want about it it won't matter until it's authentic so they've got to figure out a way to make it authentic and uh, i mean to me the answer is get rid of everything that you're forcing upon it and just let things play out naturally and see what happens there and promote the right people um and uh you know get the right people involved and we'll see what happens. But right now F1 has a lot of interest. NASCAR doesn't. So we'll see what happens. Of course, you know, we talked about Miami and everything. Um, I mean, I try to get the presale and then 2 PM yesterday or whatever, uh, get an email, like get ready for the presale tomorrow at 2 PM. And then, uh, next day or actually not even next day. Yeah. It was the seven yeah, it was hours earlier, later last PM. night. Yeah. Yeah. They got an email saying, Oh, it's already sold out. I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, who the hell bought this? And then look online, people reporting ticket prices to be over a thousand dollars, like $1,300, $1,400. I mean, that's like GPU prices, man. Like, I mean, not 3090, but it, you know, it's a 3070, 3080 price right there. It's uh, super expensive. I mean, I technically I could afford that, but that's a really irresponsible decision to, to do. I mean, you know, that's like just, and that's just for one seat, you know, you'd expect to yeah. pay that for, for four seats or whatever, but I don't know. We'll see. Try to figure something out, I guess. I mean, I know people in Miami that live in Miami. I don't know if they have connections to that, but maybe could figure something out. Uh, we'll see, but it is, it is mother's day for, uh, the Miami grand prix. So, um, we'll see if that affects attendance or anything, but you know, that should be an interesting, uh, event to go to if you're able to, which I would like to, cause I live in Florida. Yeah. And I, I mean, the joke was going on during the episode on uh, the Grid Talk podcast about me showing up there with a blow up of Egghead to be Egghead's number one fan. And I would like to do that. It would be cool to do it in Miami because then I could party. Josh and I could hang out. We could do a live show. We could do whatever live stream and all that crap. Um, I could actually go and meet uh one of um putin's right hand men um and ask him face to face how you finish a minute and a half behind your teammate on a regular basis and then i'll be summarily probably murdered but you know it'll just be funny to be able to say that but i didn't even get that chance um they sold oh yeah the pre-sale i mean that's that's bs you're basically saying that you're in cahoots with like Ticketmaster and all that, which Stephen Ross is a D bag anyway. So it makes sense that 
the Miami Grand Prix, which is basically connected to the Dolphins and whatever. Um, they're fucking with it the same way as probably fucked with the Super Bowl. If I had the money to go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when the Niners went and took my soul for the second time, um, the, then it would have been the same kind of bullshit. Um, you know, I love that's the thing. It's like you're it's the same thing as like even with Formula E here in Brooklyn and Red Hook section of Brooklyn. <clears throat> and then the fact of the matter that they go and charge hundreds of dollars for that. I'm like, it's fucking Formula E. I mean, even if I was like some sort of like electric car, if I was like freaking Ed Begley Jr. And I wanted to go and watch Formula E. I'm not paying hundreds of dollars to watch that crap. I barely can watch it when it's on TV. And I like Dario and I'm a Dario Franchitti fan. I, I put myself through that because I can't stand Jack Nichols voice, but I'll listen to Dario Franchitti because he's a great analyst the same way as he was a great race car driver. I don't want to watch that crap for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Give me a better deal than that. That's a, and it's not because I'm cheap. It's not because I'm poor, even though I am poor. The reality is I'm just, I just have logic and thought and common sense. I'm not going to waste thousands of dollars for that. The reality is if I'm going to waste thousands of dollars, I'll go to the fucking Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, and God dang it, I've already done it. So it doesn't really matter to me anymore, you know? Um, and it's like, that track's a garbage track. I'd rather go to code. If you're going to tell me I have to pay thousands of dollars, I want to have the return on investment. I'm going to get concerts. I get to go to Austin, get barbecue. You get the experience, go to university of Texas, get some strange, you know, you could go and, and do some stuff, you know, Miami, you're going to be going and selling an organ to do anything. I don't understand what that return is. That's literally your hollow Hollywooding that whole thing up. And it's going to be a fail. Like that's what you're building this up to be. I, I mean, Europeans and whatever, like I'm just talking about our friends at the grid talk. They're already comparing it to Las Vegas because it's basically in a car. It's a in in the parking lot. So they're already comparing it to the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which famously was run in the car in the parking lot of Caesar's Palace Casino. And that lasted, I think, two or three years fell off the calendar, became an indie car race for like two years or like, yeah, two years and two years and then disappeared. And then, so, I mean, that's what they're already looking at the Miami Grand Prix track as. So, I mean, at least it would be if, if Liberty media really were serious about making formula one, a big deal in America, make it cost effective. You're not going to, it's not about, Oh, you're going to get white trash to show up there. I mean, white trash might show up there anyway, but there's white trash that has a lot of money. You know, we can get into that, but the reality is you're going to people, if you give a good price point, people will show that's, that's across the board because racing is that kind of sport where motorsports is that kind of sport where people are diehards will show up no matter how good, bad, or indifferent the product is, but make it reasonable. If you're not going to make it reasonable, you're pricing most of the people that care out of it. If you want it to be a freaking fashion show, then make it a fashion show. That's literally what they're doing. So we'll see what happens next. Uh, may when they have that race um we'll go from a fashion show to a shit show at brian france's house um where the hollywood casino is the hollywood casino 400 at um kansas speedway and uh that was uh definitely not compelling at all uh 
They say that Briscoe had unapproved adjustment. Yeah, that's that's convenient. And then Briscoe finished nineteenth. Uh, okay, well, he only finished a lap down, so that's that's not bad considering. The, yeah, he he finished a couple places behind Brad Keselowski. So Larson wins, leads hundred thirty laps. Uh, it was a Hendrick benefit again. Uh, the Hendrick cars led the one thirty, fifty, forty. Yeah. Uh, you know, 220, uh, around 230 laps, basically 220 plus laps of the race between Larson Elliott and Byron. And then the rest of the field was just there. Larson Elliott, Harvick, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, the top five, Byron, Truex, Bell, Logano, Dillon, the top 10. Uh, in terms of playoff drivers, you had Brad Keselowski had issues. He finished 17th. Um, Ryan Blaney wrecked and finished 37th. You had uh, Chad Fitch of Starton Park. So uh, credit to him. You know, Justin Haley driving a Circle B diecast car blew up. So that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, Ryan Ellison Lee was a lap behind Quinn Huff. So credit to him, actually, to driving the piece of garbage he was driving um you know only and he's a freaking pr guy these days almost beat quinn huff david Starr finished ahead of of quinn huff so so that's uh that's something uh but yeah i mean kyle bush also sorry kyle bush finished 28th there uh kligerman finished 20th because he was able to get a fortunate yellow or whatever um to go and stay on the lead lap and he was able to ride that out to a 20th place finish after starting tailback uh larson went to wins his ninth race I think we're just basically parking the inevitable that he's going to win the championship in two weeks' time. Uh, but you know, he's been the best driver on one-and-a-half-mile racetracks all year. Did it again this past weekend. No surprise. But I think the greater story, and you put it in the line outline, the cutoff and what had happened to the rest of the guys in the playoff uh, was more dramatic. Uh, really, the battle for the last playoff spot, as of now, is where the whole uh, story is, um, because Larson's already in, no problem. Elliott and Hamlin have have a cushion, but then you have Kyle Busch, you have Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Martin Truex Jr. Four drivers, one spot, have to backdoor either win or backdoor their way in. Joey Logano needs a win um, to go and get in there uh, to um, make things happen, to get into that final four. I mean, as of now, there's definitely two cars are going to make the points. So I would venture to say that Clyde and, and uh, Denny Hamlin will make it unless some nightmare happens to either of them. You know, they're two re they're really good at Martinsville, both of them. Of course, Clyde won this race last year. Um Hamlin's won at Martinsville multiple times. So it kind of leaves the door open for uh one. I mean, maybe one of them wins anyway. And then in turn it's still two points drivers that make it, but then there'll be a big gap. Uh, I mean, I don't really I didn't get I didn't watch much of the race. I already qualified that so i don't know if you want to go in on that and give us your thoughts josh uh on the events that took place at kansas this past weekend um i think the i think the 
a turning point. Of course, some of the cautions, cars getting left a lap down. Kyle Busch hitting the wall multiple times, basically knocking himself out of contention, put himself in this spot. Brad having issues after the great week weekend he had at Texas, going and reverting back to what has been most of this year. Big problem. Blaney hitting the wall. And then, of course, Truex. Truex's inconsistency is why we are in this spot coming to Martinsville this coming weekend. Yeah, I mean, I I watched actually the last stage, basically was able to turn it on uh, right right around the end of the second stage and uh, being in the final stage there. But yeah, I mean, it was basically all you needed to uh, watch anyways of that race. Kyle Larson won the race and Chase Elliott kind of had an opportunity there at the end of the race, but uh, ran into the wall a few times, basically did what Larson was doing a few years ago when he was trying to win races and uh, overdriving the car and running into the wall uh, there at the end of the run. But uh, I mean, the real, like you said, the real story is uh, what happened to the rest of the uh, guys around fourth place. I mean, I thought Ryan Blaney was solid, but then uh, of course, Austin Dillon gets loose and then puts Ryan Blaney, uh, Blaney into the wall and then, uh, ends his day there. So now he's out of the, the cutoff and one point out of the cutoff behind Kyle Bush. And then Kyle Bush, um, didn't have the greatest day either finishing 28th, like you said, and, uh, didn't have uh, the best day and it helps Ryan Blaney, of course, uh, that he's not totally out of it yet. But now of course, um, I think the real storyline is like what happens when they go to Martinsville. It's a very tight group there. Um, and even Joe Logano, even though he's, uh, still kind of far out of it, could still, uh, get his way back in if he wins, of course. And then, um, you know, it's going to be a very tight situation. We could see something like the first chase playoff went all the way back in 2014. Remember Larson, uh, and Ryan Newman were battling for position on the last lap. And then, uh, Newman went and sent it in there and put Larson in the wall, uh, and then got in. So we might see something like that. And, you know, maybe, uh, 2017, remember Denny Hamlin, uh, wrecked chase Elliott for the win there. And then, uh, all that drama that played into that race. So could see something like that if it really comes down to it. You know, last year, remember uh, Kevin Harvick uh, needed one spot to get into the chase or into the, um, you know, the final four and uh, spun out Kyle Busch, but then wrecked himself in the process because he basically had to send it in there from a mile to get to him and couldn't control his car anymore. So could see something like that going into uh, Martinsville. Uh, so that's going to be the redeeming aspect besides the fact that short track racing uh for uh the series uh the final short track race of the year so that's uh i guess what we'll have to look out for is um what, what's going to play out with these uh, all these drivers and um what we could happen uh that that could happen during this race and um i mean the rest of him is mostly forgettable like you said for kansas but at least uh with the things that were happened or that did happen was uh significant enough to at least make martinsville uh pretty interesting uh, as we lead into the final race at phoenix yeah and that's what it is i mean martinsville will be dramatic in its own right because it is martinsville probably gonna be some tempers and bumpers and all that stuff going on we'll get into that preview here uh momentarily but Let's get into the points just uh, briefly uh, before we move towards the Xfinity series. Of course, Larson in, Elliott plus 34, Hamlin plus 32, Kyle Busch plus one over the cutoff, Blaney is minus one, Truex minus three, Keselowski minus six, and Logano minus 26 going into this race. Of course, Logano has won this race before, um, used up Truex to do it. 
won Mark won Homestead as well to win his uh, lone championship. Truex has won at Martinsville multiple times here in recent years. So it's a track that is a Hendrick or Gibbs track. Hendrick and Gibbs have dominated this year. Right now, there's two Hendrick cars and two Gibbs cars. So um, if if you know just based on what this year has been, the championship was laying out the way it should. Uh, you know the two best Hendrick cars. And theoretically, the, I, I mean, I wouldn't say Kyle Busch is better than Martin Truex over the entire year, but, you know, you'd have two Gibbs cars with the two best Hendrick cars in a head-to-head battle going into uh, the Phoenix shithole for the uh, final race of the season. Uh, Xfinity Series saw uh, saw the uh, Kansas Lottery 300 and uh, Ty Gibbs get his fourth win of the year. And he will add 14 laps. Austin Sindrick dominated, though, led 151 of the races, 200, uh, 200 laps. A.J. Allmendinger finished third, though two best drivers this year uh, were up there. Daniel Hemrick led 15 laps, but ended up finishing 15th. In regards to the uh, points situation, I mean, you had Justin Haley in fourth, Allgaier ninth, Brockshot Jones in 11th. You mentioned Hemrick, he finished 15th. And, he was, and then you had Harrison Burton and Noah Gregson involved in the wreck. Uh, they finished in the back. David's, yeah, David Starr ran that. Yeah, he ran a car sponsored by that idiot. That's great. It's David Starr, though. Uh, where are we going here? The point standings going into Martinsville. Sindrick and Almondinger are tied. Uh, to be fair, they're unless they finish dead last, uh, one of them finishes dead last. They're both in. Uh, the real battle is between Allgaier, Hemrick, and Haley. Allgaier's plus nine, Hemrick's plus seven, Justin Haley's minus seven. The other three guys, Gagson, Jones, Burton, have to win to get in to the final four. And, um, of course, Harrison Burton did that last year. Uh, you'd have to do that again. In his last two races, driving for Gibbs before he goes over to the Wood Brothers and uh, takes the ride from uh, Reddit hero and maggot moron douchebag uh, crybaby loser uh, Matt DiBurrito. Uh, Brockshot Jones, who's going to be in Xfinity forever, not because that's his the career choice he has, because like a lot of guys back in the day, it's because he sucks. Menards. Um, Menards. Uh, and Ream, because his dad is a part of like a high up at Ream, which in turn is part of the reason why Chris Bell has a NASCAR career. Um, instead of going and destroying in USAC in World of Outlaws, like the guy that's going to win the cup championship really wants to do, but he may needs to make money because he's more freedoms and all the other bullshit that, you know, because he has to go hard R because he's a really smart guy. Um, and then Gagson, who, who's basically a, you know, a guy who's going to be on a, is going to be in a lineup soon enough, be on an episode of SVU soon enough because of his, his sterling personality. Uh, his dad's a freaking murderer too, but you know, that's beside the point. Um, in, in terms of guys who are douchey and like four feet tall, Ty Gibbs, of course, gets another win. He's one of the favorites going into next year's championship for sure. Four wins this year, uh, winning on uh, winning on super speed or winning on short one and a half mile racetracks, 
twice and then winning out on road course, which was his first start at Daytona road course. He's shown his uh, uh, ability across all different racetracks between the Xfinity Series and Arca Series this year, Josh. So a uh, little little Smurf. Um, I'm curious who's going to get replaced. More than likely Martin Truex uh, will get replaced um, when Ty Gibbs probably goes and wins the Xfinity Championship if Josh Berry doesn't interrupt that. Yeah, I mean, I think Ty Gibbs... Uh... I mean, the 54 car being in that car, I mean, whoever it is, it's the all-star car. I mean, I go back to the old term that they used when it was the Bush series, you know, bushwhacking uh, the field uh, there. Although, I mean, Austin Cindric did lead the most of that race. And then Ty Gibbs just uh, stole the win there at the very end. But uh, I mean, yeah, Ty Gibbs, I think next year, whenever, if he, I mean, I think regardless, if he wins the championship, he's going to unseat. Uh, one of the Gibbs cars there and it could be bell. If bell doesn't have the performance that he has, or could be true X. I feel like the 19 car is a little expendable uh, as far as the driver in it, you know, uh, changing drivers, uh, whatnot. It's gone through, uh, Carl Edwards, Daniel Suarez, true X could, could be, uh, could definitely be um, Ty Gibbs there in a few years. We'll see, and especially with Monster, they'll have to compete with uh, Bass Pro Shops and all that. Uh, so going to be a uh, challenge there. And of course, it could farm him out to twenty three eleven or something like that. But uh, I mean, Xfinity Series, uh, that's basically what it was. I mean, point standings, uh, you have a close battle between fourth and fifth. Justin Haley is only seven points out, so uh, it's not as desperate as what uh, Harrison Burton, who got crashed in this race, or uh, Noah Gregson, uh, who needs to make it into this playoffs or you know in, into the final four. Uh, definitely think um, you know it's going to be a situation if you know any of those three drivers, Gregson, Jones, or Burton, are in a position where they could win. You know they're definitely going to uh, consider you know putting the bumper to the car in front of them to uh, win the race. So. You know, if they're in that position, definitely look out for that. Just have to wreck them to win the race and uh, get into the championship. So, uh, be interesting, very interesting storyline to watch out for. And then, um, still the real battle for this championship is going to be between Cindric and Almendinger. Of course, if it was non-playoff standings, uh, Cindric uh, would be ahead by 26 points over Almendinger. But you know, with uh, the way this playoff is, they're tied right now, and then uh, won't really matter. Uh, as far as the thing going into the Phoenix, uh, should be an interesting uh, setup there. Is uh, it's going to be those two guys likely? I'd say Algar gets in, and then I think fourth uh, could be a toss up between Hemrick and Haley. But if you know, Gregson, let's say if Hemrick is on his way to win, but Gregson's right there, I think Gregson's going to spin him out uh, on the last lap or something if it comes down to it. So uh, that's a uh, kind of, I mean. Uh, thing that could happen and I could see happen go rehash the wounds from Atlanta earlier this year when they had their incident on pit road and all that stuff. And this would be even bigger controversy. So I have to see what happens, but um, ultimately Xfinity series, you know, it was a whatever race at Kansas, but you know, at least now we get to see Xfinity series on the short track as well uh, in uh, Martinsville. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that here uh, shortly. Uh, preview all three series trucks will actually come back from hibernation and then the uh, cup and xfinity races and their cutoffs all the respective cutoffs as we get towards the end of the nascar season for sure uh we'll get into uh, a 
mid segment here in regards to before we get into uh, our specifics to both myself and Josh. The IndyCar IMSA side, we did it last week. Uh, there's more stuff. David Malukas, who finished runner up in the Indy Lights Championship, to Kyle Kirkwood, uh, who likely will be in an IndyCar. I think David Malukas also, it looks like, will be in an IndyCar. Uh, he tested for Dale Coin Racing and had a blast, it sounds like. Uh, spoke to Dave Malsher on motorsport.com, one of the best there is. Uh, he's, David Malukas is is legit. Um, Kyle Kirkwood's legit. You talk about IndyCar, and we were talking about it offline, Josh, in regards to the whole Andretti slobber situation. Uh, I mean, whether that's coming off or not, Rumors are saying, current rumors are saying it isn't. I kind of feel like it's smoke and mirrors. At the end of the day, Andretti doesn't have full involvement. They don't have manufacturer involvement anymore in their Formula E team. They got some Bitcoin or some crypto sponsor uh, for the Formula E team. I don't know who's powering it, so they don't really have a involvement. That's one thing. The Sauber team has always been kind of belly aching for money uh, since... Patronus left. Um, I don't remember the last time Sauber had an actual sponsor. Um, Alpha Romeo is just a manufacturer, kind of like a fate, kind of like a um, check down deal or whatever. I, I, I mean, that's the thing. I can't even remember the last time Sauber had a sponsor. It's been BMW was the manufacturer when they were around and they had Patronus then too. Uh, so basically it was like 2009. I think it was the last time they had a sponsor. So it's been a over a decade, um, they need the money. Uh, Andretti Autosport and Michael Andretti with the connections he has and the whatever, they're gonna come through. I think I honestly believe that they're gonna find the money and find the deal to go and pull this off. And in turn, Valtteri Botas's teammate will be Colton Herta next year in Formula One. Which, you know, with Logan Sargent's move, and that's another thing we could discuss, Logan Sargent's move to Williams Driver Academy. He's basically 1-1A one one with Jamie Chadwick, who we'll get into in the, in the uh, roundup, GSP roundup, in regards to drivers that are on the cusp of Formula One, uh, possibility of FP1 appearances next year because of the new rules stating you have to have a young driver and X amount of FP1 appearances. Um, I guess we can go and kind of look at that as a whole in regards to the young drivers and how for, you know, like in Malukas's case with DCR, they need two drivers. Uh, Kirkwood is likely to be the guy that's going to take over Colton Herta's ride in the uh, Gainbridge car. I mean, Devlin DeFrancesco is going to be in the 29 car. They just haven't announced it yet because they know how bad it'll look in PR-wise. Um, but they have whatever. You have Roman Grosjean and Alexander Rossi already in there at Andretti Autosport. But the next generation of Indy car drivers, Road to Indy, we already have two guys that are going to be legit. Um, and we have a lot of other young talent already there. The likes of Pat Award, Renus VK, um, Oliver Askew on the on the outskirts, you know, unfortunately got looked over for a ride at uh, Ray Hall. I think that was an oversight. They should have given him a go. And uh, 
whether it was passing on Jack Harvey or um, not using Lungard, it might have been a better idea, uh, to, in my opinion, because of the kind of potential and talent that Oliver Askew brings to the table. But uh, thoughts on, you know, I guess the driver development news and some of the things going on and the Andretti-Sauber saga that seems to be going on in regards to that um, connection. I think, you know, starting off with the Andretti news, him trying to take over. I mean, that was one of the big storylines that was going into the U.S. Grand Prix was that uh, Andretti was going to buy Sauber, going to buy Alfa Romeo or Lane Racing and uh, purchase that team. And that was going to be Colton Herta's way into uh, Formula One racing. And as of now, that's looks like it might not be the case, but um, maybe Michael Andretti maybe doesn't really have as much cash on hand as uh, what they say it would take to purchase a Formula One team like that. Um, you know, the $250 million, $500 million, how many millions it is to buy that team. Uh, so it, it's uh, definitely a lot of money. Maybe the numbers just weren't right uh, right now. It's not the best mo- uh, deal right now for him to uh, purchase that team. But uh, I mean, I'd be willing to give it a year at least. Um, maybe they uh, say, hey, we'll come back in a year and uh, figure it out or work it out uh, more long term and try to figure out a better deal rather than rushing into it and just uh, buying the team uh, right away right now. And, you know, give Colton Herta one more season maybe to uh, go into uh, IndyCar and and uh, run the championship there and maybe have a better successful season than what he had uh, in 2021 uh, and at least have a chance to uh, legitimately uh, contend for the championship. But then, you know, as far as, you know, some of the other guys like uh, Logan Sargent, you know, like you said, he's uh, joining Williams uh, Formula One Driver Academy. So uh, it could be a potential uh, route towards Formula One in a couple of years. Maybe he's driving the car that George uh, Russell is driving right now. And we see, uh, you know, an American guy at least try to challenge for podiums. And then maybe by then, uh, well, not for podiums, but certainly maybe for the points. Maybe by then Williams will be a lot more competitive uh, than they are right now. I mean, George Russell's definitely carrying that team uh, as far as um, his ability, being able to get uh, the most out of that car. And we've seen what he's been able to do. Now he's going on to Mercedes. So uh, maybe by the time Logan Sargent is able to get into that car, maybe he's uh, able to challenge at least uh, to contend in the points. And then, um, you know, on the American side, uh, I mean, Kyle Kirkwood, I mean, looks like he's going to be in that car uh, over, if, if uh, Colton Herta uh, ends up going to Formula One, like it might look like, or may, maybe maybe not, I think it's definitely going to have a seat at Andretti uh, regardless. So looking forward towards that. So, um, you know, a lot of, lot of good talent, young talent for uh, the American side on IndyCar. And then uh, certainly with uh, Colton Herta, if he's eventually able to get into Formula One, would be a uh, influx of American talent on there. And then, of course, um, is more guys like Logan Sargent get noticed by uh, Williams. And then, of course, with uh, Andretti, if they buy a team, certainly there would be a, a chance for more American drivers to get up into the series for Formula One. So um, the door may be closed for now for Andretti, but yeah, I mean, definitely a, a could open up uh, soon or maybe later. Yeah, I. I- kind of feel like it, we haven't heard the end of it. We were talking about how Deshaun Watson, the whole rumors with the trade with him and go back and forth. The reality is Sauber needs an influx of cash to be somewhat competitive. They're, what is it, ninth in the Constructors' Championship right now. In, in their heyday, they were third 
I think as high as third in the Constructors' Championship, maybe second. I'm, I'm, I don't know for sure. I can go and kind of check, but, um, you know, like the, the reality, it says, yeah, Andre didn't take over deal finally off the table, end his interest. Oh, well. Okay. Through just over 300 million, paid up front 15, could operate. At the budget capture sponsored. This until the result in backing. Oh, was also apparently seeking. Oh, Sauber owner Finn Rousing was also apparently seeking additional 50 million for the next five years. So 250 million up front. Interesting. So now that'll been. So now it'll go from. So Kyle Kirkwood, just based on that one, I guess that's the report that a certain podcast that uh, went and copied our, our uh, format or copied certain s- aspects of our format. Um, now they they go and procreate or what the hell's the, what's the word that it is when they go and take other people's shit, like uh, go and... Coach? Yeah, well, that's one way of putting it. There's They're, they're a nicer... Procure, there you go, procreate, procure, whatever. Um, they probably do procreate with the procurement and then do other things with the letter P um, because there's P's in their name. But um, either way, it's that kind of sucks. I, I kind of held out hope. I wanted to see Andretti because, to be fair, as a Michael Andretti guy way back when, he got screwed by McLaren and um, he would have been able to come through. Michael Andretti has built the powerhouse I mean, it hasn't shown as much in recent years, but he's a mogul, um, same way as Tony Stewart. Uh, one of the only young guys that are out there that are moguls, because most of these guys are fat, old, and fat and old. Um, I mean, Chip Ganassi figured that out with the NASCAR side. I mean, he's fat and old, and he figured that he wasn't going anywhere, so he got rid of it, and he sold it to Justin Marks. So he can invest in the eventual prototype program he's going to have in him, or no, he has a Cadillac program in IMSA and in W, in soon enough in WEC, and then, uh, you know, like with Indy cars, uh, you know, Penske, uh, that's one thing. Penske's announced that they're going to go from four to three cars um, effective in 2022, at least initially, at least for now. And they'll have, uh, of course, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, or Scott McLaughlin, Will Power. And I figure the Will Power will be on the hot seat uh, going in or in 2022 in regards to his ride. Uh, figure the Menard sponsorship kind of gets split or they're made onto one of those cars that are left, the two or the three, and then the other sponsorship. My thinking is they'll sponsor New Garden. All of his sponsors will go to the three car uh, and Scott McLaughlin to go and fund three cars while they balance out the Porsche uh, program or start preparing the Porsche program. Uh, Penske's already come out and said he's going to run limited amount of races in the WEC uh, this coming year in the LMP2 category as a prepare as uh, in, or in 2022 to prepare for Porsche's uh, return to the prototype category with Penske in 2023. Uh, De- Matteo Nanini will be testing for Junkos Hollander in the Indy Lights category. Uh, he's in the Formula Two, uh, f- uh, or he's been in Formula Four, and he, he has been in Formula Three. 
and then Formula 2. So he's going to be running an Indy Lights test here coming up this weekend. Uh, so that'll be another guy coming from the the Formula 1 ladder system like Christian Lundgaard. Um, curious to see where that'll land him. Tristan Nunez is uh, a Mazda guy for many years. He's going to be the teammate with Pippo effing Durrani at Action Express in the Wheelin Cadillac, Wheelin Engineering Cadillac, number 31 car. Uh, it's been uh, Pippo Durrani and uh, Felipe Nazar. Felipe Nazar is moving over uh, to uh, Peugeot or not Peugeot. Or Audi, one of those, whatever. He's going to one of those programs. So um, Pepo Durrani and Tristan Nunez will be together for the full season in IMSA in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And multi-time World Rally Champion Sebastian Ogier will be uh, testing at Bahrain after this first Bahrain race in a uh, Toyota hypercar since he drives Toyotas in the World Rally Championship. So that'll be interesting to see since Sebastian uh, Loeb did the same thing, uh, moved away from uh, rally, went to sports cars briefly, then came back and started doing rally cross and rally raid, along with coming back and actually driving in the World Rally Championships. All things we can go and look forward to for Sebastian Ogier probably will be in a third Toyota at some point at Le Mans. Uh, The GSP roundup will uh, begin with MotoGP. Uh, It's coming uh, this past week was at Misano at Circuit. Marco Simoncelli, uh, the, um, what is that, going to the Italian Grand Prix at uh, Misano, which saw Mark Marquez get the win over teammate Ola Spargo by 4.859 seconds. Enea Bastaini finished third for uh, Ducati, the, uh, not Primac team, but the, and they're, they're running older bikes too, which makes it interesting. Fabio Quattararo finishes fourth. Mentioned earlier, he wins his first MotoGP championship. Johan Zarco finished fifth. Alex Rin sixth. Aprilia's of Alex Spargo, Maverick Vinales seventh and eighth. Luca Marini ninth. Valentino Rossi in his last ride on home soil finished 10th um trying to go through here dns peco bagnaya olivera martin all have won races this year all uh dnf'd and uh with accidents defending world champion joanne mir was the first one out uh with a wreck so fabio quattararo wins world championship he is 55 points ahead and there's only three races to go and in the world championship peco bagnaya is second and uh was it 27 points ahead of joanne mir who is third zarco fourth jack miller fifth mark marquez with his recent form uh, improvement uh, with two wins and a second in the last four races and a fourth in there in between has moved himself right into the mix for a possibility of getting to fourth in the world championship three races to go there 
You have Miller, Marquez, Brinder, Alicia Spargo, Maverick Vinales, Miguel Oliveira, top 10. Oliveira, Rid, Paul Spargo, Anea Bastaini, and Martin is only separated. So what is that? For five riders separated by 10 points. That'll be another intriguing battle as they move towards uh, the end of their season. Lowe's, Alex Lowe's wins at uh, Amelia Romagna. Grand Prix, whatever, Misano two, Lowe's wins, Augusto Fernandez second, Aaron Kinnett third, and Remy Gardner seventh. What's it called? Bobier crashed eight laps into the race and DNF'd. I'm trying to look for where Joe Roberts is. I don't see Joe Roberts. Not sure what happened to him in regards to the news uh, for Gardner crash. Yeah, I don't understand what happened to um what happened to Joe Roberts. But uh, since he was in the world championship for all these, yeah, Joe Roberts, he was, and he was 13th in the world championship. And kind of look for it. He hasn't, he hasn't scored points in the last uh, three races. Roberts explains it, explains decision to turn down Moto, Aprilia MotoGP offer. But then that was back last November. So then. I want to win, blah, blah, blah. Latest news. That's from 2020 for 2021. Well, it's 2020. So I don't know where Joe Roberts is. I don't get it. Whatever. Having this conversation with myself. And so he didn't even race in the race at, or he didn't score one or the other. Um, yeah, he wasn't, he didn't even score. He wasn't even, he wasn't even in the race. Cameron Bovier. Uh, fell off, had an accident. He wasn't. He wasn't at Austin. Yeah, the last race he was at was at the Masano One race. So must have suffered an injury of some sort. In regards to Extreme E and Sardinia, uh, let's get into that briefly. The um, they were doing testing here uh, today for new tires. And the next race will be um, just under two months' time. It'll be sometime in December. The Rossberg team of Molly Taylor and Johan Christofferson uh, lead the championship over X44s. Christina Gutierrez and Sebastian Loeb by uh, 16. They ran the Island X-Prix in Sardinia last weekend with their... And results, extreme They have a nice website, I'll say that. Uh, nice and interactive and whatever, flashy. Um, the X40 quarterfinal, qualifying one, qualifying two. Finals, final C, Taylor and Christofferson win over Yuta Kleinschmidt and Matthias Ekstrom for Apt Cupra. The... Jensen Button team of Kotolinski and Hansen finish uh, fourth or third over Sarah Price and Kyla Duke for the Sega Chip Ganassi Racing Hummer EV team. And then the fifth place was Christina Gutierrez, Sebastian Loeb, X44. Last race of the season will be in December, week before Christmas, the Jurassic x The um, W Series ran at Coda. This past weekend, uh, Jamie Chadwick comes through with a second consecutive um, W Series championship. 
Uh, she hopes to uh, move towards Formula 2. Like Logan Sargent, I would think that that's the move. They'll probably, Williams would probably go and take over uh, one of the back end teams and, and uh, go and put uh, Jamie Chadwick and Logan Sargent in the cars. Chadwick won both races, but Chadwick won over Kimmelainen, Alice Powell in race one. Uh, U.S. driver Saber Cook finished 11th in race one. Abby Eaton suffered a C4 fracture vertebrae in race one. So uh, prayers to her and her, her recovery. In race two, Chadwick beat Abby, pulling Kimmelainen for the podium. And uh, Cook finished 13th. There are only uh, 60 drivers by the second race because of all the incidents that took place at Coda between the roughness and the um, sausage curbs causing injury and unnecessary accidents. So something that might be looked at in the future. Uh, Supercars will be at Sydney Motorsports Park uh, this coming weekend. Uh, the the uh, Supercars series, Archer Capital has confirmed that they will be selling their majority stake to Racing Australian Consolidated Enterprise, which is going to basically merge all motorsports categories in Australia. And so that'll be cool to see all that. It'll make a nice weekend, I'll tell you. Um, they beat the group that had Peter Adderton of Boost Mobile, Alan Gow, Mick Dewin, Pete Smith, and Paul Morris. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how things turn out in regards to that. Going into this coming uh, weekend, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen has a, what, 266-point lead over with Jamie Winchcup in his final year. Uh, Will Davis in third. Has a six-point lead on Cam Waters, 19-point lead on Chas Mostert. So that'll be interesting to see how things turn out in regards to that. Um, Red Bull, uh, Triple H benefit at the top of the points going into Sydney. World Endurance Championship returns with their first of two races at Bahrain. This coming weekend, um, Chadwick and Powell will be testing for Richard Meal team. Uh, set to rise sports car driver classification. That would be that's that's a positive thing. Let Lamborghini edging closer to WC. I'm so proud of time injury for 2024. Eh, that's cool. Uh, Conway Kobayashi, Jose Maria Lopez lead their teammates in the other Toyota, Buemi Nakajima Hartley, by nine points. In regards to the LMP2, it's a team's trophy. Jota Sport has a one-point lead over WRT. The other Jota Sport car is eight points behind. LMGTM, of course, has got that on lock. In Hypercar, of course, Toyota has that. Then Ferrari has the lead in uh, GT manufacturers. LMP2 drivers, Galeo, Van Dorn, Blomkist have the lead by one point over Robin Fryens, Ferdinand Habsburg, Charles Mielsi, Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix Acosta, Anthony Davidson are eight points behind in third. And then GTM, AF Corsa, Toyota, and then there's whatever. Uh, NHRA at Las Vegas won. 
in the Camping World Drag Racing Series, going in the last couple of races of the year. Steve Torrance has a 73-point lead, which is akin to uh, four rounds, which is a lot, uh, going for yet another top field championship. In Funny Car, Caps has a one-point lead on Hagen and 83 points on J.R. Todd, which is uh, just over four rounds. Pentagon and Force are just over five rounds out with uh, two races to go. Uh, Then in Pro Stock, Greg Anderson has just over four rounds on Eric Anders. We got to uh, shake it out of the way. There we go. Matt Smith has Angel's uh, Sam Pay by 25 points. Steve Johnson by 56. And uh, that is that with a couple races to go in the season. The uh, I'm trying to go over here. Yeah. So there's only two races to go. It's this race, the Dodge SRT Nationals at Las Vegas, and then the Auto Club Finals at Pomona in two weeks' time. All right, let's get into this. The uh, cup preview or the previews for the uh, upcoming races at Martinsville this coming weekend. Uh, we will start with the trucks. Points John Hunter Nemechek has a one point lead on Ben Rhodes. Matt Crafton and Sheldon Creed right now are in. Friesen's five points behind Sheldon Creed. The rest of the drivers, Chandler Smith, Carson Osovar, Zane Smith, have to win. I would venture to say that Nemechek and Rhodes are safe, but uh, Sheldon Creed's going to have to uh, make sure if he wants to defend his championship before he goes off to Xfinity and RCR, he wants to have a chance to defend this championship. He's going to have to do some work this uh, Friday night at Martinsville, and I think he's going to do that. I'm going to pick Sheldon Green, and it's not a fandom mark thing. I do think he's going to win this weekend at Martinsville as much as John Hunter Nemechek and uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports will want them want him to win. Uh, I think it'll be Sheldon Creed and the two truck, Josh. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the race this uh, coming uh, Friday? Yeah, I mean, it's be an interesting race here for the trucks. I mean, I think for John Hunter Nemechek, I'm not sure if uh, you know he's that good on short tracks. I mean, he seems like he's a more of a mile and a half guy uh, than he is a short track racer um, in the, in the at least in the truck series. But you know, I'm gonna go with a uh, veteran uh, driver here instead. Uh, pick uh, Matt Crafton in fifth place, uh, starting fifth to win uh, the. United Rentals 200 on Friday night at Martinsville. Um, Mark, Matt Crafton has been a solid driver over the years in the truck series. Uh, hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, last couple of seasons, only won uh, one race uh, in the, in the series in 2020. Uh, you know, had a year where he won the championship without even winning a race, which is uh, insane. But, you know, last year Martinsville finished fifth. Or start fifth, finished fifth, uh, but you know, he's definitely one of those guys that could potentially steal one uh, here. So I think a veteran driver like that on a short track is a tough uh, thing to beat. But you know, Sheldon Creed's definitely uh, someone who needs to do well to stay uh, secure in the championship. Uh, John Ironiuchek has done all right, but just uh, not a believer in him on uh, the short tracks. Uh, and he's been, if you look at his results on the short tracks, John Hunter Nemechek 
Uh, I mean, he included the dirt race as well. I mean, he won Richmond, but Richmond's a lot different than Martinsville. Dirt Bristol finished last. Um, there is any other short tracks on this schedule, Bristol. Okay. So he, he's done all right on the short tracks, but I don't know. Martinsville is one of those places that, um, could get you if you're not careful, especially, uh, in traffic, uh, with, with, uh, the way that that track is, uh, I think guys like Stuart Friesen, definitely on the, uh, the cut line going in, uh, Zane Smith needs to win. Carson Josefar needs to win, uh, Chandler Smith needs to win so starting to see a pattern here with uh, the way that these trucks are going to be competing in for this championship um i don't think the championship four changes as it is right now it's john herner you mentioned ben rhodes matt craft and sheldon creed don't think it changes not sure uh chandler smith's uh Stuart Friesen, carson hosevar carson hosevar could win but i'm not really convinced of his ability yet I and mean, he hasn't won yet so i mean it could you know, first win coming on at a time when you need it would be great, but not convinced to uh, be competitive. Zane Smith hasn't been really that great compared to what he was in 2020. So uh, that's that's what it is. And so, yeah, pick uh, Matt Crafton to win in uh, this race here. That would be cool to see uh old school guy getting a dub, uh, locking himself in. I kind of feel like uh, John Hunter, even though he doesn't need to, I feel a Clyde situation going on where he goes and wins this race and then wins next week at Phoenix to uh, solidify his first uh, NASCAR championship to go and add a second NASCAR championship to the Nemechek household after his uh, father, John Nem- or John Joe Nemechek, uh, won the 1992 Bush Series championship. I think John Hunter is going to add to that here in a, a couple weeks' time. With a win, starting with a win on Friday night, um, you know, he's probably working off of that momentum of that Xfinity win he had a few weeks ago. And they're going to go and uh, build on that, him and Eric Phillips, as they move towards more than likely going to 2311 to uh, take over the 45 car. I think Kurt Busch is only going to run one year um, and uh, he'll get in that car after what will likely be a second consecutive championship. Uh, But Sheldon Creed, who is my driver in the truck series, could prove it all wrong. I mean, I have no idea. He could probably pull one out. EMS has had good runs there at Martinsville, but Kyle Busch Motorsports and the Gibbs cars usually in general are good there. So that's my feeling on that. Uh, Xfinity series, the uh, top two guys, Sindrick and AJ Allmendinger, are up there. The dead on tools to 50 uh, race there at Martinsville. The truck series race is the United Rentals 200. I just want to go and give that out there. Any of them will sponsor us. Uh, Sindrick and Gibbs are on the front row. Allmendinger and Haley, row two. Michael and Nett. Some are another in the top 10. That's something. All the playoff drivers are in the top 10, so that's not an issue. Uh, Mayor 11, Snyder, in what will be his last couple of races in the Xfinity Series, and 12th. Um, Moron, Brett Moffitt, 13th. Just trying to go here. Uh, Herbst, and his no talent is there. Uh, Alex, Natalie Decker is going to be in the 23. Starting 26th, Josh Berry will be in the uh, Jordan Anderson 31, starting 29th. 
So uh, if Josh Berry is going to make a double at Martinsville this year, he would have to start. He'll have to start from way back to go and make it happen. Akinori Ogata is going to be in the 78. Yeah, Preston Pardis will be driving the 90. He's a road course uh, specialist as of his most of his career so far. MX5 champion uh, making his oval debut. Uh, next to former Cup and Xfinity Rookie of the Year, Stephen Light. And uh, Spencer Boyd will be in the 52 this weekend. And 74 is, I think, being announced, but they didn't put it in there. Um, I love the fact that there's a report. Dustin Albino saying natural talent of Santino Ferrucci shines through partial schedule. Natural talent of Santino Ferrucci. That's something. It's more like his dad's paycheck has helped him because he has the personality of a of a, a piece of drywall. But I'm going to go and pick, in regards to this race, I'm going to pick A.J. Allmendinger. A.J. Allmendinger in his career has run well at Martinsville in multiple cars in the cup series. Um, I feel like this is a spot where he goes and wins this race, solidifies his spot in the playoff and, uh, you know, makes himself a prohibitive favorite going into Phoenix, which is another track that he's very good at, uh, to possibly get his first NASCAR championship and his first championship that he's had since, uh, I think 2002 in the Toyota Atlantic championship. So that would be a big deal for A.J. Allmendinger. Um, That's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking, Josh, in regards to this Xfinity? Yeah, so I think this Xfinity race, uh, it's going to be interesting. So you got Ty Gibbs in the field who won last week, of course, at uh, Kansas. Uh, this is going to be an interesting race, especially with the uh, the points battle surrounding the last couple of spots in the, the playoff. Uh, I, I think uh, this race, it's, it's going to come down the wire probably. It's probably going to be a green-white track and restart or restart with 10 laps to go, something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick uh, Justin Algaier to win this race. I think, you know, with uh, Junior Motorsports, they've got to get a win to have momentum going into uh, Phoenix. Uh, you know, he's Justin Algar is pretty solid on short tracks. I uh, think um, AJ Allmendinger, he's pretty solid as well on short tracks, but uh, I think uh, he's probably going to be a little bit more conservative going into this race. Um, so is Austin Cindric because they, they both don't really have a lot of lose. They just got to stay out of trouble and survive and just make it into Phoenix and everything. So uh, I think, you know, Justin Algar has got a little bit more to lose than uh, those two guys who try out and go win the race. Uh, Daniel Hemrick could be a wild card as well. Uh, Noah Gragson, I think he's definitely somebody that could make make something happen, especially if he's there late, like I said earlier in the podcast. So could be interesting uh, see what he's able to do. But you know, ultimately, it's going to be about uh, who's going to be the best playoff driver here uh, as we eliminate from eight to four. So going to pick uh, Justin Auger here. Wouldn't be a bad pick considering his track record on short tracks and small tracks. And with guards to um, flat track prowess, especially with Phoenix coming up, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, of course, the big one is the Xfinity 500 Cup Series race coming up this uh, Sunday. We'll lock in the final four going into Phoenix. Uh, what is it? Kyle Larson will start from the pole. Of course, uh, it's been a year where tracks and places where Kyle Larson's never won, he's won at. Martinsville has been a track where he struggled at over his career, but 
when it comes to this playoff deal. All eight drivers will be up front. You have Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, both guys who have won at at Martinsville, row five. But all the playoff drivers are in the top ten. Larson, Elliott, Hamlin, Truex, Logano, Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney. Um, to me, I would like to say that that Kyle Larson is going to win this race. I don't believe he is. I feel like uh, I feel like it's going to be a Gibbs guy. Um, I'm not. Sh- to me, I don't know which one to pick. If I was like gun to my head, uh, I would say Hamlin. Um, I'm saying Denny Hamlin gets a win at Martinsville here. Another one locks himself into the final four, trying to exercise the demons of all these championships past and try to come through, win this race, win Phoenix the following week. Um, Considering what his year has been, he was dominant. Uh, Josh mentioned it. He was dominant all the way to like, uh, I mean, you was talking about that in Formula One. You, I think you said that with Formula One with what Lewis is doing prior to Monaco. And then I think Denny Hamlin had everything going until the month of May. And then Kyle Larson took over. Hamlin, of course, as an owner, has won a race this year. but And he's won a few races this year himself. But this would be the way for him to come through, win the next two races, and lock up his first career Cup Series championship. Uh, so I'm picking Denny Hamlin to win on Sunday at Martinsville. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to go with Ford here winning this race. Uh, I'm going to go Ryan Blaney starting in eighth, uh, going out and win this race. Uh, he's uh, not been, I mean, on short tracks, hasn't really had a, a ton of success, uh, but uh, he's, you know, definitely a guy that needs a win. I mean, he can point his way in, but I could see him winning this race. Um, you know, comes down to a last uh, green white checkered restart or something. I feel like uh, he could muscle his way up to the lead if he's not in the lead or you know not on the outside row. Uh, so I think he definitely win this race. Other guys to look out for are the playoff guys. Joey Logano, remember a few years ago, twenty eighteen. Uh, got his way into the playoffs in the last corner. You know, he uh, bumped Martin Truex and doored him coming to the start finish line. Uh, what if that happens again, uh, could happen. Then that would literally be Joey Logano racing as winning his way into the final four and eliminating Martin Truex, uh, unless something else happens to Elliot or Hamlin. I mean, that's literally for the spot right there. Uh, so that, that could happen. Um, Brad could, you know, I definitely see him getting something, Kyle Bush as well, but you know, I'm gonna go with Blaney. Just feel like um you know he deserves to be in the final four. I feel like uh he just got dealt a bad a bad hand at Kansas. Uh should have been higher up there, but unfortunately got in that accident with Austin Dillon. So I think uh uh Ryan Blaney should uh definitely be that guy to challenge represent Ford, I guess, uh and Penske and kind of be that outlier in, in the the final four. I mean, you have Hendrick and Gibbs, you know. Elliot Larson and Hamlin. I think it's just uh, that fourth spot is to be determined until the checker flag falls on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to go down all the way to the end. It's going to be just like last year, or it's going to come down to the end of the race. And it may not be at the front, but you're going to have, it's going to come down to a point. It's literally going to come down to a position um, unless there's like some sort of big wreck that happens for sure. <sighs> Let's see here. Um, I didn't say anything about NHRA, did I? But no, you did. You did talk about it. Oh, I'm forgetting it. Uh, man, I'm drunk. Uh, 
Let's go into, I'm going to let you start with uh, football and fantasy football. You can go and get into your team, preview your game for this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and also talk about the trade we just made, which at least initially on the face looks really good for you since you got a you got a stud uh, running back. Um, but the balance at the end of the day, it should work out well for both parties since we're both going to probably end up meeting couple as we said after you you went and bent me over old country way a couple of weeks ago announced it on the show um insulted your buddy on um, the fact that we're friends and i need you as my co-host i could have fired you but the fact is i do need you because you're the smart one <laughs> and after with with that that insubordination uh but the fact of the matter is we're friends so the fact is i i let it go um in part because you are a jaguars fan so that's just pain by nature you're you just like pain so i understand that we let that go we'll get into let's get into uh your matchup this week and where urban meyer was with some illegal underage chick um while um, trevor lawrence and company were preparing for their matchup this week yeah i mean i wonder what urban meyer's doing i don't know he said no more excuses uh, we got we're at the point where rookie qb in the season there's no more excuses now so all right bring it trevor and let's go you know um, throw it down the field uh to jamal agnew or something it seems like he's the guy now for the speed on uh, down the middle, down the outside, maybe for the Jags, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, go, go up there and try to dominate those cornerbacks in Seattle. We'll see what happens. Uh, going to be a tough matchup though for Jacksonville. think they could win though. Uh, and being in Seattle, uh, they got uh, Shaq Griffin on the team this year. So he's got experience playing in Seattle. Definitely will help them. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, of course, two and five now, uh, wasn't too long ago that we thought they'd be kind of good, but you know, R- Russell Wilson, hurt his finger. Now, Geno Smith, uh, they've had positions and opportunities to win, but uh, haven't closed it out uh, yet. And now uh, playing against Jacksonville, which uh, on the surface, yeah, one in five teams should be an easy victory, but uh, I think Jacksonville is going to play him tough, uh, play him hard. Uh, They've got a pretty good rush defense uh, in terms of yards per carry, yards per game. Um, I think they got like, what, like less than three and a half yards per carry. And then uh, they have not allowed uh, running back to exceed uh, 85 yards uh, all season, except for when they played the Titans, they allowed Derrick Henry to maul him over for like 130 yards or something like that. But it wasn't until the end when he got 130 yards, it was kind of a struggle for him most of that game. So, you know, they've been pretty good against the run so far. Uh, pass-wise, not as good. Kind of worried uh, the matchup uh, with uh, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett could be a, a Pretty tough one for Jags cornerbacks, but we'll see. I mean, Jack Griffin's had experience going with, against both those receivers in practice and training camp, so should be an interesting matchup. I think Jags going to win. Uh, you know, just the way the way that the season's going for the Jags now, they got some confidence in them now, coming off a bye week win uh, or win going into the bye week at London. So I think they can definitely pull one out here uh, in uh, Seattle, out in the West Coast. Um, uh, so, you know, normally for your Jags, West coast games are really bad, but you know, it's a new, a new culture now, new, new environment. We'll see how urban Meyer is able to prepare him for a West coast game like that. And maybe they'll actually pull one out. I mean, the last two games they played in Seattle were both losses, uh, 2009, 41 to zero, uh, against, uh, Seattle, uh, then 2012, 2013, uh, I don't remember the score, uh, but they lost that one to Seattle as well. 
And I remember there's a picture of a, a pretty a well-known Jags fan on social media who's got holding up a sign next to a Seattle fan saying, uh, you picked the punter over Russell Wilson when they picked Brian Anger. Uh, you know, punters are people too, but they picked him over uh, Ryan, uh, Russell Wilson back in 2012. So, um, but we got Trevor now, so it's fine and everything. So we'll see. And, uh, you know, fantasy-wise, um, you know, we made that trade. Well, I mean, you can give your piece here in a minute, but it had to had to get a running back because David Montgomery's on injured reserve. Saquon Barkley uh, is questionable and probably trending towards out uh, and everything. So it had, to, it had to make some moves. I picked up Alex Collins. He is going up against Jacksonville, but I feel like, Maybe some solid output there. Um, maybe he gets a touchdown in 50 yards or something. That'd be good enough. Going up against uh, uh, Vikram, CM Punk is back. The guy's been trading, trading offers the whole season. Super annoying, whatever. Like this guy's like trying to like uh, trade everybody or uh, acquire everybody as much as possible. Having to go up against him now. So gonna gonna try to overtake him for a second here. And, you know, had to call in, call in some uh, deals to be made. So uh, I receive Austin Eckler. And Marquise Brown, you get Josh Jacobs, uh, who's been solid, but uh, you know, not great. But I think he's definitely, even though he's he's hurt a lot of times, but he's he's gotten he's gotten his work and he's gotten his touchdowns and everything, and uh, also um, giving you Mike Evans from Tampa Bay, uh, who's I feel like a lot of people think he's hit or miss with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's favorite target this year has been Antonio Brown, but. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, he just had a couple of big games here recently, so could be on to something here, uh, you know, later in the year. Uh, definitely, uh, there's a lot of targets to throw to in Tampa Bay, but, you know, Mike Evans, uh, even though maybe his rapport with Tom Brady might not be the best, definitely somebody you, know, you can count on, uh, even though he is a number one receiver and everything, and they've taken a lot of attention on him. That's why Antonio Brown's gotten a lot of targets is because put all the attention on Mike Evans and then Antonio Brown gets open. So uh, how do you and- feel about that? Yeah, I I figure, I mean, the point is with that trade, because I don't even want to talk about the Niners. I mean, the fact of the matter is they're fucking uh, shit to bed against the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday Night Football. They're they're not going to be on Sunday Night Football the rest of the year. Uh, they'll get flexed out. The They'll be on Monday night and Thursday night probably uh, for the rest of whatever those games because they can't move those. Um, <clears throat> that's what I think of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch right now and what they've been doing with all the crappy players they pick. Javon Kinlaw is about to go on I, IR for the year. Um, the guy already had knee and leg problems. They drafted him. They traded DeForest Buckner. They didn't want to pay him money, but they paid, uh, what's his fucking name? I'm forgetting the other guy from, uh, uh, just give me a second here. I'm forgetting the guy that, uh, Eric Armstead. There you go. Eric Armstead. They gave Eric Armstead an extension. The guy was freaking garbage. Um, he's okay. Uh, but they could have given Javon Kin or not Javon Kinlaw. They're going to give in the Forrest Buckner, that same kind of contract. He just stayed. He can got rid of our Eric Armstead, same way he got rid of Solomon Thomas. And he could be a star elsewhere or do something elsewhere where he looks like a football player. Uh, but Indianapolis went, Carson Wentz and all of them went and, uh, took the Niners down and basically their season's over. They're five and a half games out of the out of the lead in the division because of course Arizona is seven and zero, and uh they lost to them head to head they haven't even played the LA Rams yet 
brutal. And so they'll play the Chicago Bears in a game of two teams that are going are rudderless ships, um, which is why uh, fantasy matters more. Um, the Eckler trade, the initial trade that Josh sent, uh, I wasn't keen on for multiple reasons uh, because, uh, you know, I already have one Minnesota wide receiver. That's probably the big play guy versus the uh, reception guy. He had Adam, he has Adam Thielen. He sent me one of his Jacksonville wide receivers. God bless Josh. I know he loves his Jacksonville players, but I don't. Um, I gave up the one Jacksonville. I gave up the two Jacksonville players in my mind that I'd value. I traded uh, Trevor Lawrence to the the team that I'm playing this week. Uh, Luke, who had a good year last year, didn't draft this year, and now his team sucks. Um, and then I got rid of James Robinson as well, which was a mistake. Um, but I got uh, what's it called? I got Josh Jacobs. I figure as long as he has a pulse, as long as he's able to play uh, the new regime uh, with the Raiders. His statistics are not amazing, but he's getting fantasy points. So he's a flex. He's a flex player. I That's what I'm looking for. Um, I have Derrick Henry. I have Keenan Allen. I have A.A. Ron. I have Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson. I got a pretty good team. And we'll break some news here. Um, Josh may not be fully aware of this. Maybe he is. I just made a trade with uh, my mentor, Professor Jay. You're making a Buffalo Bills reference. I've never met a bigger Buffalo Bills fan than Professor Jay. Um, His hedge is more towards the Buffalo Bills winning a Super Bowl. Uh, this year has not been good for him in fantasy. He's dealing with a whole lot of stuff away from the fantasy field. Uh, but God bless him. He's I had a Buffalo Bills player in check. I had I had Emmanuel Sanders ready. I sent him a deal and he pulled it off. So now I sent away Austin Eckler. I bring back Joe Mixon and Tyler Lockett, and I sent away uh elijah mitchell and emmanuel sanders um in that trade so while i lost a guy that i traded away what's likely a top five running back as long as he runs it out the rest of the year um and marquise hollywood brown who josh will probably double up with uh lamar jackson here in fantasy i was able to get uh, Joe Mixon and get Tyler Lockett hedging for when Russell Wilson returns. So in ter- that makes my wide receiver situation look pretty good. Balance things out in the end. I think at the in the end, I honestly feel like Wilson's up there, but this league might end up being decided between the grip strip podcast i'm I'm just putting it out oh there. yeah i feel it too i'm, I'm manifesting i want to manifest this because i have no problem sending you the belt you're a bachelor too so the fact is i know it won't get messed up worst case scenario i can deal with losing to my friend here even though you you went kind of like pdw on me i can deal with it i've grown as a i've grown as a man i'm older than you it's taken a while i took my loss like a man but the fact is it was a close battle i figure there's at least two more battles um i'm hoping that 
third battles in the final and we get to go and go in player by player because that's what it's going to be at that point in january um really deep diving or into the uh finale uh let's see here i mean um real quick seg- on that yeah oh, wait, go ahead no i mean well real quick on that i mean the trade your other trade like man we're gonna have to have like a adam sheffer uh ian rapport somebody like oh we got a report of trade alert here uh, where josh is listing a couple players that he wants on trade or um something he's uh, put him put him on on watch or or you know trading you know it's like uh there's a lot of moves going on gotta gotta have somebody that takes that's yeah that's that's what happens when when we've had this league and you you made one trade you got what you wanted out of it and i needed to go and make something on my end to go and make it even better on my end because the reality is i was a journalist at one point in my life and uh i still have that in me and i have no problem breaking news uh i used to do it for a living so i broke news on a gsp the only difference is the executive producer has to put it out on on live so that's my responsibility here in about 20 minutes time once we finish this deal um but yeah we'll post that got a couple of trades probably going to piss off my two of my bffs who are in this league too that are ahead of me in this league and ahead of you too um if that doesn't eliminate who my two of my best friends that are in this two two of my like four best friends uh from life are in the or three of my best friends that i've known forever are in this league so along with professor jay who's going mentor so there you go so that's what this league is all about um and me trying to destroy them um because the fact of the matter is before they came in i destroyed and then they started coming in taking my glory um and then i decided to ask josh to show up too and i just i just hired mechanics that's it i literally hired i just had hey want to play fantasy i didn't think about the fact that they're all fucking mechanics all of them freaking wilson i mean vic now he's married so fuck him um <laughs> wilson wilson was a mechanic before he got married anyway so that's beside the point i already knew that joe was a mechanic sort of being married, having kids too. Yeah. So Professor Jay, all the shit he's been through in his heyday, really good. Not his best year. But to be fair, the Buffalo Bills sucked for a long time. Now the Buffalo Bills are really good. I don't think he gives a fuck anymore. He cares about Josh Allen. He'd do some really weird things for Josh Allen um, and that whole crew. He cares more about what happens and hoping that he gets to fly to LA for a Super Bowl than what the hell happens in this league. He's willing to give his money away in this league, and that's fine. Um, then there's every, I mean, you, you're in here. We're going to talk about it every week anyway. And then Luke, and then um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember who else is in. Manny. Manny's banging Demi. out some. Yeah, Demi. Yeah, he gave up. He fucking. He's a Pitts. He's got every Pittsburgh Steeler known to man. I think he wants. I think he wants guys that are dead on the on his team too. You yeah. know, I was giving him shit on Monday. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna have every Pittsburgh Steeler known to man. They'll suck. They'll be one in <laughs> sixteen. You want every Pittsburgh? That's all good. Whatever. That's fine. You don't want to make no trades. It's that's Dude, your choice. I, I sent him a trade. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so before I made a trade to you, I look. I was looking through the league and. It's like, all right, I'll send a trade to Demi and see what he thinks. But I never heard back from him because I, I, uh, I wanted Najee Harris for the same players I offered to you, Marvin Jones and uh, Adam Thielen. But, yeah, I well, mean, it already happened, so that gets canceled out. 
Well, the point is I already canceled it out because I'm like, there's yeah. no fucking way I'm going for Adam Thielen because I already have Justin Jefferson and I wasn't trading for Jacksonville quarterback or wide receiver. So I said, all right. And I sent something yeah. that I could deal with in my mind and I could justify sending away Austin <laughs> Eckler, in, which is tough because in my in to be fair, I was willing to do there was there was something in my mind because I'm doing this now because it's not going to happen now where I was going to go and send two LA Chargers to you and then I would have done like a three for two with like Jameis Winston yeah and it might have been palatable but I didn't do that so yeah I mean now my team is basically the LA Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens I mean I'm all right with LA Chargers and everything is a, you know, I like them, but because I got Joey Bosa on DL or on the defensive lineman now, yeah. um, Derwin James, Mike Williams, now Austin Eckler. So yeah, let's, let's go Chargers. <laughs> yeah. I think if, yeah, I was, I mean, I, I was debating that. I'm like, you know what? If I'd expanded this trade out, I could have gotten Jameis out of this deal and I could have sent you Keenan Allen and I might've been able to get something else, but is what it is. Uh, we'll see what happens. We still got time to trade. I think that I'm trying. Let me go and check. Let's see. The uh, trade deadline is still a month away, so we still got oh, yeah. plenty of time to trade. So there could be a lot more movement here as we go along. Uh, Josh, uh, let us know what you're uh, seeing in regards to the sim side of things. Uh, you have some uh, thoughts on NASCAR 21, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, I'll start out, yeah, with, first of all, with the, the iRacing stuff, uh, as I usually talk about uh, the iRacing Indy cars was at Auto Club California Speedway this week or last week and Sunday managed to win uh, on Sunday night uh, with uh, the Indy car and uh, was able to uh, get up, kind of get up front, was battling up, you know, with the leaders and then some lap car got in the way and uh, caused the two leaders in front of me to crash. I barely avoided them and got the lead, uh, lost lead initially off that on a pit stop uh, under that caution, but um, was battling with somebody else uh, for like, third or whatever got into him again uh, or i tried to go like um the inside on one and two and uh didn't have enough downforce and slid up into this guy wrecked him and well he spun out and then someone else ran into him ran you know ended his race and then he started messaging me uh on the i racing chat and he's like oh next time i see you on the track i'm gonna fuck you up and uh, i'm gonna wreck you i'm like oh whatever man you did the same thing to some other guy the first caution of the race and like this guy like drifted up into some other guy on the first caution and spun him out and then he's like oh so you're policing things and i'm like nah man like whatever you know and you know i, was, I don't really care i mean I'm just i'm just here to race and everything and yeah i ended up winning uh and i think as my first win on uh twitch streams I, I did stream that one so it's the latest twitch stream out there i meant to tell you actually but uh just kind of forgot and was busy and stuff but i mean you can go on my channel and see it there yeah but, go and promote that here yeah. in a moment yeah exactly yeah so yeah we'll talk about that and everything but um as far as nascar 21 goes the main topic here um i mean it seems like it's bad uh, that's all you can say about it like i i have not tried it myself and i don't even think i want to because uh looks like um there's a lot of bugs the uh the graphics user interface like uh during the gameplay looks like uh the gauges don't show up for like the external like you know if you're playing like in the um chase camera view so like any view that's not the cockpit looks like the 
uh, gauges aren't showing up and um, a lot of information that you normally see like in a racing game, like a serious racing game is not there. The spotter seems to like the numbers three and two and wraps. It's almost like it's wrapping the numbers three and two, like repeatedly to say that, oh, you're three wide, two wide, whatever. It's like three, 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 two, 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 two. Like what, what the hell is that? And then looks like um, at least like it's like binary code. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I deal with that. (laughs) I mean, you know, like the, the fact is like, you can go on the high line and pass everybody easily. It's like all the cars clumped kind of clumped together between middle and uh, low lanes uh, in the corners at, at the ovals on NASCAR and, and like you can easily drive through the field and there's glitches with the, the AI and like uh, it's like some, I saw a video of some guy racing at Talladega and the leaders go and pit and they all go all in pit at once at 180 miles an hour. They don't slow down. They drive through the grass to get to the pits. And then like, there'll be a car like laying in the middle of the track. And all of a sudden all the AI cars just crash into it. Um, you go repair for a pit stop and then you come back out and then it disqualifies you. There's just a lot of bugs. And this game is supposed to release tomorrow. Uh, I think. And yeah, it's supposed to be uh, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, October 28th. And it just looks like this game is unfinished. And um, I mean, it looks nice, but then it's like, oh, all these graphically, it looks okay or good. But like all the other things, it's supposed to make a video game, not even much less to say a racing video game functional uh, and at least presentable and playable. Looks like it's uh, not there. And it's like, wow, this is really bad. And um, just everybody in the community that I can see, um, regardless of where you stand on the NASCAR fan spectrum um, and all that, like, looks like it's going to be universally panned, which is not good because it, you know, it's a NASCAR game. Needs We need to have a good NASCAR game. You know, talk about, like, for, you know, F1, their growth. Well, if we had a good NASCAR game that people could play, it'd get them into the uh, interest, into the, the series, and can't even have that, then, you know, what are we doing here? Um, and it's also not good because the same publisher is going to publish the IndyCar racing game next year in 2023. So um, if they can't produce a good NASCAR game, it makes me think they're going to produce a good IndyCar game, you know, and just, just bad. I mean, even, you know, me as a software developer, like I hate to, you know, send out a, a, a bad product, uh, a broken product. I mean, you know, it's like against, you know, everything that I, I am as a, as a person, as a, uh, a worker, you know, I want to be able to send in something that's complete. And, you know, if they're just going to send out trash, it's like, like, what are you doing? I mean, they have, they have a stock ticker. I think it's like, uh, MS GM or something, motorsport games on the NASDAQ and uh, watch that. I mean, it's already trending down. I mean, watch it to trend further downwards, probably as we, uh, the game releases and we see all the bad reviews come out from once it's officially there. And then they're like, Oh, we're going to patch it. And they're like, no, release a good game and everything patches. Like when you find things that you didn't know were there, not things that were broken that should have been fixed before release. So um, looks like NASCAR 21 ignitions uh, going to be a pretty get bad, pretty bad game to start off with on the release. That's unfortunate to say the least, but, you know, I'm not surprised considering the history of NASCAR games outside of, like, you know, NRO3, like, actual console. Yeah, I mean, they had their moments, to be fair, but, I mean, the the gold standard was the Papyrus, NASCAR Racing, NASCAR Racing 2, and then NRO3 on the computer. There were games here and there EA Sports had uh, that were all right. You had the NASCAR games even recently that were serviceable. But 
Um, it's about time that with all these other, you know, sports can get good games. It's about time that motorsports gets their, you know, gets their deal. Formula One doesn't have to worry about it more. Or less, I mean, you have streamers that you've got people that that race the Formula One game uh, to full force. Multiple people that make their living on that. Uh, and there's I'm, there are other NASCAR people that do. So, you know, make make a game that that holds up. You know, it isn't that. To me, it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult, but, you know, who knows? Um, Josh, you understand it way better than I do in that sense, both playing and making it. Uh, So I guess we'll see what happens. We'll get more updates as we go along. Going into Christmas season um, with all the issues with the supply chain and maybe not being able to get access in regards to the actual like game itself, like the disc, but you know, online, and, it's all know. downloadable now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all downloadable. So that might be get that's that'll be the get around in in regards to that. Um, let us uh, know where we can follow your streams. Let us know where we can follow you, man. Uh, so we know what's going on with um, your socials and what you're doing with. Uh, all your thoughts in regards to motorsports and sports and whatever else. Yeah, of course. You know, as always, uh, the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash UCLR2. And that's where you'll see all the streams. You know, as I mentioned earlier, currently the latest stream is the IndyCar win at California. You can watch that. I mean, it's pretty entertaining to watch. So, uh, you know, as I race and everything. So go watch that and see uh, the first streaming win, of course. And then um, as uh, well, and uh, Twitter uh, you can follow me at UCLA, or, or no, it's my Twitch. I'm confusing myself. No, my Twitch, my Twitter is at JP Huffine. You can talk about F1 stuff, talk about NASCAR stuff, talk about the Jacks, talk about other things, you know. Uh, and, you know, I talked about the F1 ticket prices uh, being absurd. Uh, not being able to access them. And, you know, we brought you into the discussion, brought in uh, Phil Spain, uh, we'll, we'll probably have soon-ish, uh, hopefully, and, you know, we'll uh, have him on. And But, you know, it's where that's where you can go and follow me. We can talk about all those things and uh, interact. So, yeah, follow me, Twitch at UCLA2, and then uh, Twitter at JP Huffine. Yeah, and let's follow Josh on his streams because fundamentally he's a great driver and he he's smart at i mean we already know he's smart the algorithm proves it um he he picked fucking tate fogelman um the but i i, I didn't need tate fogelman the pick of tate fogelman to come through to know that um i've known this for many years uh going back to when i used to be on facebook um i knew the takes that josh had on motorsports and then with all the other things he does um very calm cool collected Iceman level um scott dixon terry labani level driving um on the sim so watch him on the sim uh state is a ability fantasy football as a manager uh you know what he does here on the gsp what he does in his actual job um cool as ice so um thanks man as always you know being my sidekick right hand man you can follow us here at gripstrip pod on twitter you can uh follow me at philip g matthew on twitter my personal uh page you can follow, uh, you can hear the Gripture podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh, you can also hear us 
on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and there's other places we're looking at uh, to go and distribute the pod. But we're out there. We're, we have followers. We have people that are following us. So it's good. I'm glad to have, a, we're glad to have a following. So in that whole sense, it's nice to have people that care and want to go and listen to us. Um, it, it's, a, it's a nice thing. And it's, it's a passion project. It's something that uh, we're, we're trying to um, make better and do better. Um, and frankly, you know, we're hoping, I'm hoping next year things will, will take off, um, and become more of a, uh, more of a, a relevant deal, but it takes time. It's all a part of life and it's hard work. So it's something we'll do. I'm trying to go and make, get some people in. I know next week there's Formula One and uh, there's other things, but of course the NASCAR finale will be next week with um, with the uh, race at Phoenix. So we'll get into that. Hopefully, get some people like Phil Spain, like uh, Joe Passero. Um, that's my plan. I'm putting it out there, talking about manifesting. We'll see if I can get those two guys on the show. I might have one other special guest, somebody who's also been on this show, hasn't been out there for a while, um, trying to make a round table, might spend a lot of time on the NASCAR race and then let them go and get in a Formula One preview uh, from there. So um, we thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about all the NASCAR races and the preview of Phoenix with the championship finale. We'll get into the Mexican Grand Prix preview or review all the racing that took place this past weekend in regards to supercars wec nhra as they move towards pomona uh football whatever's left for both of us in regards to actual football and fantasy which is more relevant and uh whatever else that comes up here on the grip Street podcast we thank you for listening to us and uh supporting josh and myself and we will continue to do this for as long as, you know, we both have free time, honestly. Um, take care. God bless. Take care of one another. I'm not going to use. I mean, if, if you care, you care. If you listen to the show, you probably are up with what I what we're into. If you're not, whatever. Who cares? Go and go and lick Mike Wallace's balls uh, with that. Take care. God bless. Good night.